Thank you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. Uh, good morning. Welcome to Life in the Sun. If you're, this is your very first time visiting with us, uh, you're in a good church. And we don't say that proudly, of course. We say that with reference. <laughs> we say that with humility, <laughs> okay? But anyway, my name is Armin. Uh, I've been known by the Lord since even before I was born, but I've only known the Lord for about 20 years. Okay, I'm part of the leadership of this church. And I just want to say this before uh, I go on with the word. I just want to really thank you, Pastor Mark, for the opportunity to be up here. I know you've probably seen me here more and more. But it really is a privilege to be up here and just to speak. I know part of this, you might think it's just public speaking. Well, it's, it's beyond public speaking. Yes, I speak to people. But really, that privilege comes with an authority. And when you speak to... I'm not... And once you're up here, you're not merely speaking to, to people, but you're really speaking against other authorities in the air, in the, in the heavenlies. And I say that because I kind of sensed it this week that I wasn't just really preparing a message, but I was really, <laughs> I almost like I'm, uh, I'm doing a little bit of battle within the air. And, and that's why I realized, thank you, Pastor Mark, for that uh, authority that you have placed upon me. And just like what Peter Parker said, with great authority comes great responsibility. <laughs> so that's why my responsibility is to be diligent in the word, to be diligent to, uh, to search for God and to really get in the presence of God. Amen? <laughs> okay, uh, I know Peter Parker is kind of old. He died in, uh, in the last uh, infinity, right? <laughs> I'm sorry. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Okay, anyway, let's just go ahead and get to our word before I spoil any other movie. So today, <laughs> I'm so sorry if you have not seen it. So today we're going to jump into a new uh, series called Renew. And this is a very, uh, uh, what do you call this? Uh, creative way of putting the word three and, the, uh, you know, regarding when you do your email, new. But really, how are we renewed? The uh, Bible tells us that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. That's how we are renewed. It's through an encounter with Jesus. It's through an encounter and experience with God. All right? And today, we're going to do that. We're going to look at a story of how a woman encountered Jesus, and that encountered changed her life. It basically renewed her. Amen? Sounds good? All right. So let's just go ahead. There it is. It's Jesus and the Samaritan woman. Very familiar story if, you're, if, you, if you've been reading the Bible. Plenty of truths in this passage. It's a long reading, so bear with me, all right? So renewed. Let's just go ahead and jump in. Uh, just go ahead. Uh, let's do uh, the first. Uh, whew. John chapter 4, verse 3 to 9. Chapter uh, Verse 3 begins by, he left Judea, he's coming from Jerusalem, and departed again to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. Take a mental note of that. Highlight that in your mind. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that, J- that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. Uh, make note of that again. <laughs> sixth hour is the noon hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, 
ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman, for, jo- for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Okay, highlight that again. We're going to highlight a lot of these things. Okay, then verse 10, it says, Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Verse 11, the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Verse 15, the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are, you are a prophet. Our fathers worship on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem, is the place where we ought to worship. Verse 21, Jesus said to her, Women, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. Highlight that again. Okay, we got so many highlights already. Verse 25. The woman said to Him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When He comes, He will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am He. And at this point, His disciples came And they marveled that he talked with a woman, yet no one said, What do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the man, Come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. 31. In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which which you do not know. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him anything to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Verse 39. And many of the Samaritans of the city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. Then they said to the woman, Now we believe, not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. 
Now, after two days, he departed from there and went to Galilee. Long reading. Let's just bow our head and let's just read. And, and if you allow me just to pray one more time. Father, thank you for your word. Your word is a lamp unto our, our foot, Father. It's a light unto our path, Father. That It is what sustains us, Father. So, Lord, I just ask you to open the eyes of our people, Lord. Open our hearts, Father, to receive from you today and just to see what it is that you want us to see in this passage. This I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Very long passage, I know. So let's go. Let's dive in. You know, the book of John, just like the book of Genesis, is really full of revelations of God. In the book of Genesis, you hear you hear a lot of the, uh, the statements where God would say, I am. I, to Abraham, he would say, I am your shield and your very great reward. I am the almighty God. And in the book of John, it was no different. It was Jesus' turn to really reveal himself to the people and reveal who the Father is. And this is one of those passages. This is a really direct revelation of who Christ is. And we're going to do that. We're gonna, um, I'm going to pull out a couple of points because it's just so long. Okay? So let's begin. So what, if, uh, if I were to ask you with all that reading, what really stood out from what we just read? What did you see? And of course, most of us will probably say different things. So let me just, uh, let me share with you what came out for, 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 for the sake of time, okay? Allow me to share what came out as I, as I was uh, reading this passage. The very first thing that came out as, as, as I was reading this is verse 4. Can you show that? Verse 4, please. It says here. He left Judea and departed again to Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. He needed to go to Samaria. Usually the Jewish people would avoid Samaria. Samaria, because of the, uh, just a background story, Samaria, the Samaritans were a mixed race of Jewish and all the other groups that was there. When Solomon, after the, the reign of King Solomon, Israel was divided into two kingdoms. You got the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. When Assyria invaded the northern kingdom, they took the, the residents of uh, the northern kingdom, took them and exiled them. But instead, what they did was they put other race or other uh, people that's been conquered by the Assyrian to live in the northern kingdom. And that's where the mixed race happened. And ever since then... The Jews from the south has never really looked upon the, Sam the Samarians and hence the word Samaritans. That's what they called them. There were the Samaritans because they were a mixed race. And they've always looked at them with a little bit of, uh, uh, because they're mixed. The, Jew the Jewish people really pride themselves that they are a chosen people of God. And that's why they've always looked up down upon the Samaritans because they're a mixed race. So, and that's where that's, that's the background of the story. The, 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 Jewish of the, the Jews of that day would never really go to Samaria. What they would do is they would go east to the Jordan, go north up to the Jordan, uh, go north and then go back west just to stay away from Samaria. But Jesus says, but here it says that Jesus needed to go through Samaria. And as we read the entire passage, he only stayed there for two days. Two days. But yet, the whole story revolved around this woman. Amen? So his reason for needing to go is really, I believe, it's really because he needed to meet this woman. He needed. It's like when you're thirsty, what do you do? You need to drink water. 
the word need is, uh, really tells you that it must be done. Amen? It must be done. You need to do it. It must be done. If you don't do it, there can be some consequences to it. So when Jesus said, or when the Bible says he needed to go to Samaria, he was really making an appointment. And he was making an appointment with this woman. When we go to the doctors, what do we do? We make the appointment, do we not? And if you're early enough, you get the good time slot. If you're late in making your appointment, you end up having the bad time slot or you end up walking in and you stay there for two hours in the waiting room only to be seen by the doctor for three to five minutes. I'm sorry if you're a doctor in the house. <laughs> but just, uh, just hear us. It says that the word of God is profitable for teaching, rebuking, <laughs> training in righteousness. <laughs> sorry, Pastor Mark. <laughs> but if you're a doctor in the house, I'm sorry. But that's the truth anyway. Okay, And they know that. And they apologize every time. They say, I'm sorry for the long wait. But anyway, when you go to the doctor, you make the appointment. Isn't it not? But yet here, who made the appointment? It was Jesus that made the appointment. Jesus was at the well, at Jacob's well, at exactly 12 noon. And that's the, and that's the thing. The woman was getting water at 12 o'clock uh, at the middle of the day. If you, uh, another background story, they live in a desert-like community. They live in a desert-like environment. You do not want to get water at high noon because it is the hottest time of the day. The practice back then is that they try to get water as early as possible. They get it in the early morning so that it's not hot. I mean, you're from Guam. You know what it means to be out in the sun at 12 noon, isn't it not? You try to run as fast as you can to your car if you got uh, something going on. You stay in your house at 12 noon. You don't bush cut the grass at 12 noon. You do it early in the morning or you do it out in the afternoon where the sun has either coming up or set. But yet this woman was getting water at 12 noon. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus therefore being wearied from his journey sat there thus by the well. It's about the sixth hour. Jesus knew exactly when to make this appointment with this woman. Now, when you go to your doctor, since I started with the doctor analogy already, let me, uh, what did the doctor ask you? So how can I help you? What's going on? And you tell the doctor, oh, I'm feeling this, so I'm feeling this, I'm feeling this, okay. Uh, my diagnosis is this. Five minutes. Quick diagnose. And then what? He gives us a prescription, and we go to the, we go to what? We go to the pharmacy. And yet we have so much faith in the doctor on, the, on uh, something that uh, the doctor writes and gives to us when we can't even read what that is. But yeah, we have so much faith in the doctor, okay? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm really sorry for your doctor. <laughs> yeah. But here it's Jesus, okay? The healer. I, I know this is not part of, the, uh, part of the message, but it's the healer. It's the doctor that actually made the point with the woman. And... and and just like us, the doctor would usually ask us, so how's going on? On this passage, the doctor knew exactly what was going on in this woman's life. Isn't it not? In the passage that we read, when Jesus, uh, when they were in, in the course of their uh, conversation, Jesus said, go call your husband. The woman said, I do not have a husband. Well, that's true. The, you, the fact is, she had had five husbands, and the man that you're with is not your husband. It's probably, I don't know, somebody else's husband, or he's single, he needs to go to save the date, I don't know, okay? But probably he, but he was not the woman's husband. 
And Jesus knew that there was no need for, for Jesus to ask the women, so what's going on, uh, women? No, he knew it exactly. But this story revolves around the well, and it was so significant. The way the Holy Spirit puts the Bible stories to go, together is always so significant. There is no insignificant detail when it comes to the Bible. The Holy Spirit knows exactly what to put in the story. And here it says that they, Jesus sat down by Jacob's well. And when he asked this woman, give me a drink, what did the woman say? Why is it that you ask me? You're Jewish, I'm Samaritan. And then, of course, she goes on to say that, and of course, this is what he said. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where, do you, where, where then do you get the living water? Are you greater than our father, Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Focus on that a little bit. Sometimes when we read the Bible, it's not really easy to, uh, to understand because the, there's no tone of voice when, when you read. It's like you need to add in, sir, who are you? They don't have that in the Bible. And Jesus doesn't say, woman. You cannot. You can, there's no, unless you read an audio Bible with all the celebrity voices, okay, then you get it. But here, look at this. It says, uh, it says uh, are you greater than our father Jacob. What was she trying to say? It was Jacob's well. You know how long this well has been here from this passage? It says that Jacob dug this up. Jacob himself drank from this water. From the time of Jacob to this passage, it is about 2,000 years old. 2,000 years. That well that the woman was talking about has sustained life for them for 2,000 years. 2,000 years. Pastor Mark was talking about earlier, five generations. Do you remember who your grandfather was five uh, generations ago? I don't even know my grandfather's uh, name from both sides of my family. Never saw them, really. But yet, here's a well, or here's a, a source of life that's been there for 2,000 years. Do you know of any place on Guam that's been used for 2,000 years and still being used today? I do not. Probably the marble cave has been there, but I, I, I don't know. Okay, but it's not being used today. But that well has been used for 2,000 years. And that's where the woman was coming from. Are you telling me that the water that I've been getting here, the water that you're going to give me is much better, is much greater than the water that I've been getting from Jacob's well? And what was Jesus' answer? Yes, exactly. That's what I'm telling you. See, water, church, and you know this through science. We know that the world is uh, what? How many percent water? 70%, we know that our body is what also? About 70% water, liquid. See, when you don't have water in your body, what happens? You dry up, you dehydrate, you get wrinkles, really, okay? People have died of dehydration because being out in the sun through sports. And that's what this woman was coming from. She knows that this well has been there for 2,000 years. Jesus was not talking about the water from the well. Jesus was talking about a different kind of water. We need water, okay? Water is essential for our body, for our physical body. But we are not just a physical body. We are, we are what? We are a tripart being. That's why one of their discussions says that God is a spirit. 
I think that's why it was included here. Because we are not just a physical, a physical being. We are a three-part being. We got our body, the physical part of us. We got our soul, which is our emotions, okay? Our thoughts, our thinking, our memories. And then we got the spirit, that part of us that is born again, okay? That spirit, what the spirit is trying to do is communicate with your soul and, to sub and allow the soul to submit to the spirit. But we have a difficulty doing that. Okay? And that's what Jesus was really talking about. He was not just really talking about the water, but he was talking about something much more than physical water. You need water to survive physically. You have an essential need, a fundamental need, not just an essential need, to long for love and acceptance. You may not realize it, but our soul has that need. We would do so much. We would have such a strong desire just to be accepted and just to belong and just to be loved unconditionally. That's why we're doing Save the Date. Church, whether you realize it or not, you have a fundamental need to belong, to be accepted, and what else? To be loved unconditionally. And that was what Jesus was trying to get through to this woman. See, when, you're, when that need is not met, what happens is the feelings of rejection starts to surface. The feelings of rejection begins to be, uh, is what you begin to feel. And rejection, though it's been said that rejection cannot be avoided, especially today with, the, uh, with, with internet and social media, you cannot avoid rejection. You post something, a simple emoji would tell you that people agree or disagree with you. They agree with you? They disagree with you. And sometimes that simple thumbs down can make you feel like you've been rejected. It's unavoidable. We live in a free society, isn't it not? We are free to express our opinion, and sometimes our opinion really hurts people, isn't it not? If you watch YouTube a lot, you know it. I mean, you look at the comments in YouTube, I mean, oh my goodness, they should have a filter over the filter over the filter. Because people are just so free to give out their opinions. That's why most people who do YouTube blogs, they say, okay, haters, I don't need to hear whatever you have to say, okay? Uh, mine included, I'm, I'm not a fan of some uh, basketball players, so I don't, but I don't, uh, I don't necessarily do that, okay? I keep it to myself. And then I find somebody else who also disagrees. Okay, let's go have a party now. No. <laughs> okay. But, but the truth is, it's so true, isn't it not? We're living today where social media can reject your opinion, can reject your thoughts by a simple emoji. And rejection is really unavoidable. The problem begins when, it's that, when that rejection becomes consistent and it becomes prolonged. It begins to have a psychological consequences on our lives. Amen? It begins to really touch us. It really begins to uh, bombard us. And we begin to feel lonely. We begin to have some low self-esteem. It affects us in a way that it, it brings anger in us. And I say this because I know. Because as a, I, uh, you probably heard me say this a couple of times. I was adopted at the age of five. Removed from my biological parents at the age of five, lived with my grandparents until I was nine. And I never knew what rejection was until I became a believer. I thought that people just go, just go about with their lives angry, 
bitter, and aggressive. I thought that was just fine, and I thought that was just normal. But when I became a believer, I realized, oh my goodness, the Bible says that the fruit of the Spirit is patient. Well, what is that? <laughs> Gentleness. And every once in a while, my wife still has to tell me, gentle, gentle, gentle. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know, but when I got saved, I realized I was a bitter guy. I was always ready to retaliate. Every single, uh, re uh, I mean, every single comment that you give me, I, I always I want to have a comeback right away. You, uh, it's almost like, really, Pastor Mark, you put that guy up there? <laughs> but the thing is, that's what rejection does to us. We have such a drive to, to, to belong. We have such a drive in us that when we want to be accepted, we want to be loved. And we would do anything to everything just to feel that. Anything to everything. And that's what this woman was feeling. Church, Jesus was not just talking about the water. He used the, the, the topic of water to engage her and to get her and just really to see what her need is. See, church, you need, uh, God brings out the things in us, the, the, what, we, what we need in us, so that it's not to condemn us. It's not to really uh, to, to bombard us and see, you got something wrong. But it's when we see it that we need it, we're able to give it up to him, and then he can begin to work in us. But if you don't bring it out to him, then he cannot work in it. He would always bring it up, up, up over and over again. And that's why it has to be brought out. That's why in this story, he has to let her know that, women, I know everything about you, but yet I still choose or I still made an appointment with you because deep down you may not know it, I have the source of your need. And that really is the second point that I want to bring out. That no matter where you are right now, church, you may not know it, but deep down inside, Jesus really has the source for our need. You might only looking at this from a physical point where you need that Jacob's water. You, you might be working in a job for 20 years, okay, and that's been sustaining you. I mean, Noe just shared his uh, testimony. He's here somewhere. After 20 years, he was released. But two hours ago, uh, two hours before he was released, God knew him. God, God knows Noe, uh, right? He's known by God just like me and just like you. And before that, there was already a job waiting for him. Amen? So as we see in this passage, Jesus was the one who makes this appointment with the woman. And really the reality is Jesus is the one that always makes an appointment with us. Amen? And somehow Jesus has to bring it out to a point where you need to see what your need is. You need to see where you're broken. Because in order for you to be whole, you got to see that you are broken. Uh, when I was angry, bitter, and aggressive, I thought that, like what I said, I thought that was just normal for everybody. But when I became a believer, that's when I realized, no, that's not normal. God said, I can give you a life that's better than that. I can give you a living water. Amen. And, and in, in the passage where it says, verse 10, Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, Give me a drink, you would ask him and he would give you living water. 
And church, I believe that's an invitation right now that God is offering to everybody. Amen. Living water. In John chapter 7, verse 38, it says that, what's that living water? It says, from your innermost being will flow out rivers. Not just a well, but a river of living water that can sustain you until eternity. He said, this water, whatever your source of, whatever you're thinking of, whatever source you, you think you have, you would always need to come back to it because you would always get thirsty. So for the remainder of the time that I want to do this, I want us to really encounter God. Just like I said, I started by saying, religion can tell you to follow steps. But true religion is really when you experience God yourself and you encounter Him yourself and you are changed when you encounter Him. So for the re remainder of the time, I want to just allow us to get into that moment and just really allow God to minister to you. So if you can just uh, get into that place of quietness on your own way, just quiet your soul, just quiet your heart, quiet your mind. And as you're doing that, ask this, Lord, what are you showing me? Lord, what is it that you're speaking to me? Lord, what is it that you want to apply and you want to change in my life? Just do that in the quietness of your spirit. And we're going to stay in this atmosphere going to be praying in a little moment. stay in that atmosphere in John 10 10 Jesus said I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly Jesus promised a life that's much more abundant and as we have read in this passage he is the source of that living water we have sang earlier that your cup will never run dry garden God and Adam had a perfect relationship but that relationship was severed because of sin and ever since then God the Father has put into plan where he can redeem that where he can get that relationship back and that fulfillment of redemption came through Jesus Christ through Jesus Christ all our sins all the judgment, all the punishment, all the curse, the shame, 
the rejection that we supposed to have, that was supposed to fall upon us, fell upon the body of Christ. And for three hours, God the Father exhausted His judgment and His punishment on the sins that was on the body of Christ. Our sins, church, that was supposed to be our sin, but it wasn't the body of Christ. And the judgment and the punishment was given to Jesus. And He died, He was buried, and the third day He rose again without any memory, without any, not a single ounce of sin. Every sin was dealt with. And that's how it is that we can experience this abundant life because there really is no more punishment. There really is no more judgment. There really is no more curse that can fall upon us because it has already fallen in the body of Jesus. And that's how an abundant life begins, is when we receive what Jesus Christ did on the cross. It's when we receive and we believe that all our sins has already been punished. And church, I believe Jesus is opening an invitation right now for you to experience that. And if you've never done that, you've never experienced receiving the free gift of salvation, you've never experienced to pray and to ask Jesus and to believe that, Lord Jesus, I believe that what you did on the cross was for me. You've never done that and you've never experienced that. But today you say, I want to experience that. I want to experience a life that is beyond the natural, but it is eternal. If that describes you or if there's anybody here today and you want that, you want to begin this relationship with the Lord, you want to begin this life that Jesus is saying, I want to pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for allowing Jesus to die on the cross for me. Thank you that through him, I can receive an abundant life. That because all my sins, all my shame, all my rejection has been taken away, I can now live a life to eternity. I make Jesus my Lord and my Savior today. Amen. Amen. Now I want to address another part or another issue. This passage really talks about rejection. And as I said earlier, I believe all of us has experienced rejection. Whether we've been rejected because of our race, because of our ethnicity, because we're from this island, whether we've been rejected because of our gender, we've been rejected because we're not religious enough or because we, we're not clean enough. Or you've even felt a self-rejection a self where you, you're part of the church, you've been serving, but yet you feel like you cannot even measure yourself up to your leader. Or just like this woman, you felt a moral rejection. People have looked down on you. People have uh, seen you as one who should not be part of the church, 
or you should not even be called a Christian. And that's you. I think God really wants to bring healing and wholeness to your heart. So I also want to pray for that. And if that describes you, just go ahead and just even as a posture of surrender of receiving, just raise up your hand to God. And we're going to pray. Go ahead. Just, just. Church, it was Jesus that made that appointment with that woman. So if that's you and you have your race, your hands raised up, I'm believing that Jesus wants to meet with you. That Jesus wants to change and just to renew you. And let me just pray over that. Father, in the name of Jesus, I command, Father, that spirit of rejection to be lifted up in the name of Jesus. I command that voice that's been accusing and I say, in the name of Jesus, be gone. And Father, I speak a healing and a wholeness to those that are raising up their hand and to those that's calling out for you. Thank you, Jesus, that what you did in the cross is so powerful that you only had to do it once. And Father, I just apply that blood over these people. I just apply this blood, Father, over this group. And Father, thank you that our renewal will be evident, that we can see a change in us. Just continue in that atmosphere. Just allow God to minister to you, if that's you. Just allow Him to touch your heart. there's any other needs that may have not touched I believe God is really touching you right now and in your own personal prayer just lift it up to God just lift it up to Him take a few more minutes in worship as your word says you did not leave us to be orphans but we have been given the spirit of sonship that we can call you Abba Father Father I thank you for that spirit I thank you that this relationship with you is real it's not that we're just trying to fake it but it is real so Father thank you for those that you have touched today thank you for those that you have ministered to today and father i thank you that you that you care enough for us to come down though we were not deserving it was you that initiated this redemption plan so that we can have this relationship again father thank you hallelujah lord i just pray that you protect us as we go 
protect our week, protect our mind, protect our thought, Father. Protect the seeds that's been planted today. And Lord, thank you that you care for us to be whole, that you care for us to be healed. So Lord, in the name of Jesus, we release, we release the church in Jesus' name.